0: Hello, this is Tommy Peeler, and we're carefully examining the text. And today in our podcast, we're going to look at Psalm 21. For those of you who listened to our last episode on Psalm 20, Psalm 20 was characterized as a royal psalm, one that emphasizes the human king. Even though there's more about God than there is about the king, the king is certainly front and center in Psalm 20. In Psalm 21, the situation is the same. These are in many ways companion psalms. This also is a royal psalm. And both Psalm 20 and Psalm 21 are linked together by the Hebrew word for salvation this word was used in psalm 20 in verse 5 and translated victory in the new american standard bible in 20 verse 6 the lord saves is anointed. And the Bible talks about the saving strength of his right hand. So twice in Psalm 20, verse 6, the word for salvation is used. In verse 9, save us, O King. We see this same word emphasized in Psalm 21. In Psalm 21, verse 5, in your salvation, how greatly he will rejoice. In verse 5, his glory is great through your salvation. So salvation is a key concept in these two royal psalms. We cannot relate Psalm 20 and Psalm 21 to any specific battle. but maybe that is good. Maybe the fact that it cannot be tied specifically to a particular conflict used to the it, it, it lends to the fact that it can be used time and time again as kings find themselves in the same circumstances. As we look at this psalm today, Psalm 21, verses 1 through 7, will stress, will emphasize that God is the source of all the king's blessings. Let's look at these verses. For the choir director, a psalm of David. O Lord, in your strength the king will be glad, and in your salvation how greatly he will rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire, and you have not withheld the request of his lips. Selah. But you meet him with the blessings of good things. You set a crown of fine gold on his head. He asked life of you. You gave it to him. Length of days for ever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you place upon him. For you make him most blessed for ever, and you make him joyful with gladness in your presence; for the Lord trust for the king trust in the Lord, and through the loving kindness of the most high, he will not be shaken so this verse. This psalm opens, this psalm of David, as it's called in, verse, uh, in, the, in the heading, it opens by mentioning the Lord and the Lord as the source of the king's strength. The same kind of concept will close this psalm. In verse 13, be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. So the Lord is the source of the king's strength. And the Lord is the one praised for blessing the king with strength. In the first verse, in the last verse, and all through this particular psalm, the Lord is the source of all the king's blessings. And because of the Lord's strength, the king will be glad, the king will rejoice. The source of his every blessing is the omnipotent God, and he has reason to rejoice. And verse two says, "You have given him his heart's desire. In Psalm 20 verse four, the statement was made, "May He grant you, speaking to the king, may He grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your counsel. In Psalm 21 in verse 2, we find the Lord had indeed given him his heart's desire. Now, the wording in the Hebrew is not exact, though the wording in the English translation may lead you to the think that it is. But certainly the concept is related it is because the King is blessed, because God has been gracious to him and merciful to him and fulfilled his desires in First kings three verses five through fifteen. when Solomon ascends to the throne of Israel, the Lord tells him he will give him whatever he asks, and Solomon makes request for wisdom, he makes requests. For wisdom, and the Lord blesses him with the wisdom that exceeds any in the world. Just as God granted Solomon's desires, so God grants the king's good desire. And remember, the king's highest desire was to be God himself, as Psalm 37 and verse 4 stressed. And the text says in Psalm 21 that that God in verse 3 you meet him with the blessings of good things you set a crown of fine gold upon his head God is the source of the king's blessings that word is going to be used again in verse 6 in this psalm and God sets the king upon the crown upon the head of the king the Lord is the one responsible for his authority for his dominion and for his uh, position. In verse 4, the king asked life of you and you gave it to him. In some of these royal psalms, the idea of the king asking and God granting is found. For example, in Psalm 2 verse 8, ask of me and I will give you the inheritance of the nations. The same idea in Psalm 20, verses 4 and 5. But he asked life of the king, and God gives it to him, length of days. Now, ultimately, uh, the king was going to die. But the promises to David also were going to find a fulfillment in a king who would never die. And so there'll be a greater and deeper and richer fulfillment of Jesus in these words of Psalm 21 in verse 4. In verse 5, his glory is great through your salvation, your salvation, your victory. This is our key word that we said links Psalms 20 and Psalm 21. And it says, splendor and majesty you placed upon him. This passage speaks of glory, splendor, and majesty. These are terms that are used in Psalm 8 of God, and they're used in Psalm 8 of of man. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you um, visit him? You have crowned him with glory and honor. And what is said of mankind in general in Psalm 8 verse 5 is said of the king specifically in Psalm 21 and verse 5. Now that informs us both ways. One thing, it tells us that man in Psalm 8 is virtually a king in creation. But here it shows us that God is the source of the king's blessings. That God is the source of all good. And verse 6, you make him most blessed forever. You make him joyful with gladness in your presence. Some have stated that verse 7 may be theologically the most important verse in this psalm. Let's read it again. The king trust in the Lord, and through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. The reason that verse is viewed as so central is because it discusses God's blessings and the king's responsibility. The king's responsibility is to trust in God. Now the word for trust is not the same word that was used in Psalm 20 verse 7. There the passage says, these in chariots, these in horses, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. Some versions have we trust in the name of the Lord our God, or boast in the name of the Lord our God. It's not the same word used in 21.7, but it's the same idea. In Psalm 21, the king trusts in the Lord. The king doesn't put his trust in military weapons, as Psalm 20, verse 7 stated. The king doesn't put his trust in the popularity with the crowd. The king puts his trust in the Lord. It is his solid foundation. The king trusts in the Lord, and through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. This word loving kindness is the Hebrew word chesed, and this refers to God's mercy, God's compassion, God's grace, all wrapped up into one in this powerful Old Testament term. On our side, we trust him on his side, he supplies loving kindness, abundant loving kindness to a thousand generations. God will always be faithful to his covenant. Will we always put our trust in him? Verses 8 through 12 present a difficulty to the translator and to the interpreter. When the Bible says, you and your, throughout this section, is it a reference to God, or is it a reference to the human king? And you will find different writers take different positions, and both sides have arguments, legitimate arguments they can make. Maybe the best way is kind of to split the difference. That sometimes it talks about God and sometimes it talks about the human king, but there is an understanding behind all of Psalm 21 that the king only achieves success and only defeats his enemies because God is with him. And because he trusts in God and puts His confidence in God, God will bring down his foes in psalm twenty one verse eight. Your hand will find out all your enemies. your right hand will find out those who hate you. Your hand your right hand. God's right hand has been emphasized as powerful throughout the Psalms. In Psalm 17 and verse 7, the Bible tells us that he is the Savior of all who take refuge at your right hand. And in Psalm 1611, in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In this text, your right hand will find out those who hate you. As the right hand of God brings salvation to those who trust in Him, the right hand of God will crush those who are His foes. In verse 9 of Psalm 21, you will make them as a fiery oven in the time of your anger. The Lord will swallow them up in wrath and fire will devour devour them. The word fire used a couple of times here in in verse 9. The text is emphasizing the disaster of opposing this almighty God. There is no plan, counsel, or device against the Lord, Proverbs 21, verses 30 and 31 emphasize. And God will defeat all his foes with his right hand and cast them into his fiery furnace. In verse 10, their offspring you will destroy from the earth and their descendants from among the sons of men. God will crush these who are wicked. God will crush their offspring and their descendants. And in verse 11, though they intend evil against you and devise a plot, they will not succeed, for you will make them turn their back and you will aim your bowstring at their faces. Now whether or not we take all those you or your references to God or whether we take them of the king that is putting his trust in God, who is given victories by God, or whether we somehow try to maneuver between both of those positions, in the final analysis, it's not that much different. To oppose the Lord or to oppose his anointed is to be headed to destruction The last verse of the psalm celebrates, Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. The first verse addressed the Lord, and the Lord was the source of the king's strength. The same kind of thing is said in the last verse, as the Lord is exalted and the Lord is praised for his strength. And just as the first verse, the king rejoices greatly in the Lord's strength and salvation, so we sing and praise His name and His power by His strength. God is worthy of praise, and God is worthy of glory. How do we relate Psalm 21, which talks about the king, to Jesus. There are several things that connect. In Psalm 21, in verse 5, the Bible says, In his glory is great through your salvation, splendor and majesty you place upon him. The word majesty in the Greek translation in the Old Testament is also used. Of the transfiguration of Jesus. In 2 Peter chapter 1. In verse 16. As Jesus' face was shining. Brighter than the sun. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you placed upon him. And just as this king in verse 3. Had a crown of fine gold placed upon his head. Jesus had a crown placed upon his head. A crown of thorns. And above his head, the inscription in Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. While these kings wore a crown of gold placed on their head by God, Christ wears a crown of thorns placed on his head by God. As Adam was told in Genesis 3 and verse 19 that his sin would bring thorns and thistles, so indeed in bearing our sins. Jesus wore a crown of thorns and he has above his head that statement in three languages. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Truly the throne from which he reigns is the cross where he dispenses his mercy. And it's just, just as verse four tells us Or verse 5 also tells us of the king that his glory is great. His glory is great. So the word glory, the word used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the major Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, is used of Jesus in John 1 verse 14. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten from the Father full of grace and truth. John 1.14, the same word glory in John 2.11, John 17.5. The word glory refers to our King Jesus as well. We see His glory. We see His crown. We see His majesty. May we surrender to this King Many kings are interested only in their comfort and they don't care what you sacrifice for their comfort. In Jesus, we have a king who endured the greatest penalty for our good. This is the kind of king that we must serve. Thank you for listening and may the Lord bless you.